0: You know, when you start putting your, your, you know, realize that your mind is really good at making things worse than they are, you know, you know, fear is a liar.
1: Welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where I interview leaders not defined by position or title. Everyday people who lead their lives in extraordinary ways. And on this podcast, they share their stories. The life lessons and practical tools in the hope that it will inspire everyday people like you and me to realise we are everyday leaders. My guest today is someone that I am truly inspired by. She was originally born in Paris, but moved to London about 20 years ago and she couldn't speak a word of English. Yet within her first year in London, she earned a double degree and she has since gone on to build and found multiple companies. Now the main one is Three Colors Rule. She is also someone who took the initiative when she realized there was a problem with women in tech and she's not a fan of a TLA Black Women in Tech. Very influential brand strategist and one of the most influential businesswomen in LinkedIn. Flavilla Von Gang shares her story of how she's had to navigate throughout her career, what she's learned, and some key lessons that her mom taught her that have really helped shape and mold her to become the woman that she is today. Let's get straight into it.
2: Welcome to Everyday Leadership. And today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Flavilla Fon who is the founder of Three Colors Rule. She is award winner on the key women in tech. She's an author. She's got just loads of different awards <laughs> <laughs> behind her name. And she also has um a podcast, um, Tech Brains Top Podcast, which is absolutely brilliant, and I would definitely recommend. Flavella, how are you
0: doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm really well and thank you so much for having me.
2: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, we were talking in um, last year. And I was like, we well, just need to get you on the podcast and just and just talk properly and, and share your your story because it's so inspiring from where you started out to what you're calling kind of doing right now.
0: Yeah. I guess sometimes you forget to look back into the, your journey and what you've done, but I guess, you know, it's something that people want to hear and feel feel motivated, so I'm happy to share.
2: Oh, brilliant. I thought that should be a great place to start would be not what you're currently doing right now, but way back when you started, which was like in the oil and gas yes. sector, because I was looking, I was like, you started oil and gas to what you do right now, is so completely <laughs> different. How do, you, how do you start? How you end up there? Should I say? How just you how did you get into the oil and gas sector? What were well, you
0: doing in that? That's a very good question. So, before explaining about my journey into oil and gas, I should probably explain my journey to London. So, i spoke in here from my accent, you know, uh, I was born I was born French. <laughs> After August years, I haven't lost the accent, and um, I moved to I moved to London. Gosh, eighteen years ago now, and I didn't speak a word of English. And uh, yes, I study. You know, I I did a double degree: a B. in Economics and Law, and a B. in Communication and Marketing Communication. Even after that, I'm a bit of a study freak, so I went from being a tomboy to being a obsessed with being the best at school. And uh, yeah, so I finished then with a master's in international business. Then I looked for a job everywhere. I couldn't find it because I was overly qualified, but I didn't have enough experience. So I was good on CV, but too expensive. But again, not enough people to think that, yes, you have enough talent and you haven't showcased your talent. So I ended up, you know, looking and doing all kinds of things from door-to-door sales, you know, working in retail, translation and then I found I remember going it's always I always love to tell that story because I remember going for this interview and I had the same impressions that oh she seems very, you know, smart. And it was I applied for a receptionist job. The reason why I applied for this receptionist job is because I could see the potential of, you know, of progressing quite fast, which was really good. And um so yes, so uh, and they didn't take me. <laughs> they said, no, we don't want to take her because she's already qualified and I think she's gonna get bored. And then a month later they called me by the, the recruitment agency coming back. So, yeah, they actually they want you, they 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 took someone but you didn't go well and they, they wanted to change your mind, they wanna to talk to you. And, and me and my big ego at the time was like, Nope, I don't want it. <laughs> Even the recruitment and said, you know, just go and see, I have nothing to lose. So imagine going to an interview where you are so relaxed, people just want to convince you to work for them. And you are the one asking the questions. That's how I went to this job and I negotiated my salary. So I took this opportunity and it was an event company in oil and gas. And I started as a receptionist, but it took me less than two years to become the head of department. The company was extremely ambitious and grew very fast went from I think it was about 50 people in office in London Bridge and then moved to over almost 150 people again so which was amazing so find myself in the Middle East Saudi Arabia find myself in Asia find myself you know Europe what I'm used to find myself across the world you know in, in, in South America as well and yeah that's you know I never chose oil and gas for say but I think my and um, my just my my, I think you know there's there's a, you know there's an element of a bit of random which was beautiful because I obviously didn't know anything about about oil and gas but I learned as well along the way, which was fascinating, and also really opened my international career which is so important especially when you where I am right now where I'm de- dealing with so many cultures, you know understanding that how do you do business in the Middle East how you do business in Asia and so forth which is fascinating.
2: you just um touched on the fact that when you came to the uk you couldn't speak a word of english and you got a degree or you got double degree (laughs) 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 so how did you deal with not being able to speak english Mm. and there's also certain things that you did so i remember we talked about this in the past around even when you came in you were very intentional on how you were going to learn English. And so I actually want to expand on that because yes. it's it's a different way, a different way of approaching things. Because when I think about um, inclusion, for example, a lot of times we try to look for people who, who look like us, or make us feel comfortable, but you intentionally didn't do that. And it actually made a massive difference. So that's why I really wanted to emphasize that point yeah. around your story.
0: Yes. Do you know, it's a very good question because I think I've realized that, you know, we've always embraced diversity. Because i looked at for example before you know living in paris my friends have always been you know you know colors of benetton so mixed people from asian arab all sorts of background black and so forth so for me i feel on um, people who don't think like me so and i think as well in in the nature of friendship but we love an argument <laughs> so we love you know the the idea that we can come from different backgrounds but still find a way to connect and the thing that i did when i came to london is that most people, Again, something like human, you know, human behavior is that we feel safe when we're part of, of people, when we are around people look like us or sound like us. So when we travel something, you know, we go, oh my gosh, you're French or whatever, you are this. And then you go, people who look like us because it makes us feel safe. And But I realized that in this element of safety I couldn't really grow because I will confine in what I knew already. And obviously, making the move to come to London means that I have to put myself out of my comfort zone to really enable the growth of the person I needed to be, and therefore learning English. So the first thing I remember going is uh, I shared a flat with an Indian girl, a Greek girl, a Chinese guy, a Korean girl discover, you know, we learn about language food because we love our food. So all of us were passionate about food. So each weekend, somebody was cooking something different, which was amazing. Again, same thing. I spent my time watching EastEnders, (laughs) which I learned a lot about. You don't need to be beautiful to be an actor. (laughs) And then the video was good. So I always had the video on in my room, because even if I couldn't understand, you know, step by step, because, you know, your mind still post information so i will always have a video on and say oh wow no i fully understand what it's saying but at first it was just listening to the music and then you know trying to turn the lyrics and then step by step you get there but yes it's that thing that you know i didn't fall into the the mistakes a lot of people do is that you know when you go somewhere you you know you're not comfortable you go around both sound look like you where i go the opposite say i'm gonna put myself and you know and and that's how I've managed in two months to be able to speak a decent English, and then after that, you know, keep improving. But I must also had an English boyfriend, so I did help. I mean, a black British, I should say, a black British boyfriend, which really helped, which always always funny. We're still good friends now, and laugh at me when I couldn't pronounce some of the words, but it was good to have GVED.
2: There you go. If you want to learn English, aim to a different country, get a partner from different country.
0: There you okay. go! Yeah. <laughs> It does really help.
2: <laughs> you know, when you went to, when you finally got the job as the receptionist, and you rose up that quickly. Did you have a vision in mind or something you're aspiring to get to? Or did you just get into that environment and be like, okay, I can make this happen?
0: Mm. No, I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I didn't, but I had, uh, I think my, the nature of my character is always to be, always learning new things. So when I reach a point where it becomes redundant, and, I, and and I do the same thing, and I'm not using the full capacity of my brain. I will do something else extra. So, and I would say that to you know to my team or anybody else you know that I have even as an intern, I say, um, you know, always think about if you're giving a task A and B, try to create another, you know, try to do something else above that because that's what really helps people promote. That's how people who are A-team players they don't are not only good at doing what they do but they go beyond that and they always do a bit more so therefore they become essential and I think for me was that is that I need to become so essential that not only I could negotiate my salary <laughs> I really need to have Flavilla but also I will always you know bring something that exciting into my life so so quickly before even realizing I've implemented the you know technology in terms of why are we doing these super redundant things when we can use technology to automate some of the elements? So we become so much you know faster in terms of how we process because human error, you know, cannot compete against you know the automation of you know of technology. So I've implemented how technology can help us you know move things that are you know uh, redundant and focus on things that are more interesting in terms of innovation. What can we improve? So I did that with my department and quite quite fast. So, so it was really much that that really led me to leadership and always you know driving innovation the way I did but there was so much I could do within this business and at some point I realized that my ideas were just you know too much of them they they were not ready to take on board my you know my desire to always push a bit further so then I like to look somewhere else (laughs) bye (laughs) Uh,
2: so is that what led you into moving into like um fashion
0: that's what what led me yeah that's what led me into creating my own thing I couldn't find the satisfaction you know, I had a moody you know, CEO. And I, you know, I looked in terms of how I was managed and what I refused. I had really bad managers, one who was moody and one who was extremely for management. And I became the opposite of that. Now, I always wanted to give people a freedom. That's why I really, you know, the, the whole idea of working remotely did not, you know, COVID or whatever, didn't affect us as a team because I never focus on the input. I always focus on the output. Everybody knows what they need to achieve. This is the result I'm looking at. You know, this is where I'm looking at, and really, so this is what led me to. I always loved fashion, so I was always a fashionista, and fashion was more than the, the, the you know, superficial aspect of what it was. It was about how people, we, you know, we judge each other <laughs> by the way we look, and also, you know, our confidence is built in terms of how we feel. And I used to, because I used to work with women first. I would say like, wear sexy lingerie. Say why it's like nobody's gonna see it, it's for you. That's how you build your confidence. (laughs) If you look at yourself and look good in the mirror, you can just feel like you can take on the world. If you wear some granny pennies, (laughs) you have the same confidence. So, wear some sexy lingerie. Yes, I don't know about men. So I used to say that, you know, to women and, you know, it was for me, it was a way of, you know, it was starting to personal branding in terms of how to build your brand. So, you know, the way, you know perceive you, the way people judge you. So if I go to, you know, if I go to market tracks the bottom, people don't have the same attitude when I wear my, my, you know, my stilettos and my red suits, you know, and that's just ha- how we are. We make judgment of each other. So yes, that's what led me to the world of fashion and working with, uh, working with brands, some of them have been brought up, such as Debenhams <laughs> or oh, LK which was such a long time ago now when you think about it, but a lot of lecture, which was all fun. But what really interested me was if I had against something those big brands were there and against something, you know you have you employ people who not necessarily are you know have a mindset of, a, of an entrepreneur, and I came in and you know you know show them different ways of utilizing the strength of their brand through experiential event and so forth.
2: And you taught you taught yourself when it came to to fashion. Correct. Where did that um confidence, shall I say, come from?
0: Mm. I think is I think you know it all started with my you know moving to London. I think that you know when you start putting your your you know realize that your mind is really good at making things worse than they are. You know you know fear is a liar. It will prevent you by nature your mind wants you to to be lazy, you know? So I do a lot of things around marketing. So your mind wants you to be lazy, so stay safe, do nothing as much as possible so you can live forever. But sometimes during during being lazy, obviously, <laughs> quite often being lazy doesn't lead to, you know, the best fulfillment. And I've learned to recognize that, embrace that, you know, that fear and let it, you know, you know be around me, but not let it stop me from, you know, doing what I want to do. And I think that's, you know, again, something like everything that I do right now has been of you know, self, self-teaching. Really everything that I do right now, an obsessive learner, I always consume audio books or, you know, books or whatever. I learn from different space, arts or psychology, in negotiation and all sorts of things. But yeah, so I've always, I always feel that, you know, the best way to stay, you know, to be happy is for con- continuously learning and, and having meeting new people, exchanging great ideas. That's why people say. Like, I don't know how do you do all these things? <laughs> say, yeah, because I just, you know, I, and sometimes I have to control myself. Like, okay, I can't do all of these things. Otherwise, I would start a new business every month. But I can't. I just <laughs> have to. Or what I try to do is to pass on, and I just say, hey, why don't you do this? Because I say I can't do it. But why don't you do this? So I pass on this idea. And I think I always think that you know, the ideas are given to you. If you don't apply it, it gets given to someone else. A number of times we refuse to do something. Like I remember. You know, there's one place I love a lot, it's called the Ned in London. And this place, the first time when I came in, it's like, oh my gosh, I had this idea when I was twelve years old. And you know, i put it on the paper. This place where this different restaurant in one 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 the one um one the on one um building existed. Or oh, compare the market was one of my one of my early ideas when I was young, but again, something I didn't have the technology background to do it. So I would like to say to anybody listening to this, if you have an idea, don't think too much in terms of How can you not do it, but find people around you who can help you make this, you know, reality? And I've tried to take the same approach now. When I have something that I really like, I just don't think about in terms of what I can't do, but who else can do it with me to make it work?
2: If you were to give advice to anyone right now who wanted to start something new, what tools would you say they should utilize based on your experience?
0: Wow, slow. This is a big question. In terms of, are you talking about in terms of tech tools?
2: Tech tools, knowledge tools, like key places. Obviously, you can go to YouTube and Google, mm. but are there essential things that you can say that focus on this area? Or spend this amount of time on a regular basis to kind of help you to get yeah. that structure into place because you've you've done it a number of times. So I thought it'd be great to get your, yeah. your advice.
0: My advice would be to say that before you start looking into tools, think about why you're doing it. You know, which people do you have in mind? If you can visualize your target audience very clearly, then it becomes so much easier to do anything else. They will drive and be attracted to you. So really think about why you're doing it and who do you have in mind when you're creating this product and feel like it really resonates with them specifically. And I think probably, you know, something talking about my own mistakes and I wish sometimes I was a bit more niche, you know. So for example, when the agency started, we were, fashion and luxury, even when FMCG, when, when energy is like, whoa, we need to come back in technology. And by going down, you know, n- niching was, just, you know, that's really where, you know, I'm saying that it wasn't successful before, but it was when really success became even even faster because it's easy to recommend. So you want to start a business? Take, go going to Flavilla. You want to do this? Go and speak to Flavilla. Then it becomes very clear in terms of who I want to work with, and who I don't want to work with. So that's the first thing I would say, again. you know, if if I even think about my network for Black women in technology, you know exactly who is my target audience. So they recognize themselves. So therefore, they, you know, they spread the word. And that's really why this community has grown so fast. Yeah, so that's the first thing would we'll say first, before even look into technology. Now there's a lot of great tools. So I would say, take the habit of consuming information on a regular basis. So learn information in the morning. So for example, for me, I love Blinkist. If I don't have time to read, Blink is a great app to just listen to audio podcasts. It's not expensive. Or oh, you have obviously Audible if you want the longer version. I love that. When it, when it comes to tools that I like, LinkedIn is still my favorite social media app. These new ones are being started from Clubhouse and all sorts of things. But LinkedIn remains my, my biggest money generating. So know where your clients are. You know, you, you can choose to be a bit everywhere, but where do you spend the most of your time? You need to spend where the money generating information are. For me, LinkedIn, you know, I've attracted amazing Partners, clients from LinkedIn. So that's super key. In terms of tools, you think, need to think about. I would say, you know, why I'm able to do all of these things. I think about how technology, what can be replaced by technology. So one thing that at the moment technology can do is creativity. But um, when it comes to the, you know, to you know, for some of the outreach or some of the cold calling, technology can do that. So to some certain level of of. Uh, of uh, being very best book. So I love tools such as Lemlist. I really like that. It's one of my favorite tool for cold calling outreach. Um, Other tools that I use on a regular basis that goes alongside Phantom Buster. It's really good. Again, that's, those tools are linked to LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is the, the source. And then from that, you know, you can choose your LinkedIn outreach. Um, yes. Yeah, so, and, you know, YouTube is great as well from the way of posting content, but also finding content. And I would say, and thing that I would say to, you know, to someone starting right now, say, you know, focus on your clients, but also focus on your partners who have strength and power out there. So really think about who can influence the market choose yourself. And just think about the latest clients that I'm working with right now, which is a big company. And the reason why they're working with me is because they were influenced by somebody else. So you have to work with LaVilla. So I didn't even have to convince them. I <laughs> hey, I first I was supposed to work with you. <laughs> so, okay. So this is why it happened. And that's so important. People really underestimate the power of having great partners to recommend you. And I always say that, that it's not about selling. It's about being so good at what you do that people talk about you and recommend you. If you have done that and really care about developing great product, great service, great customer service, then you have you know, you know, have just, you're building a, a pipeline with the strength of others.
2: I think it's... Um... Probably the greatest thing you can get when your previous clients become your your sports people yeah your, and your pr people for yourself yeah because it just makes it so easy mm, absolutely. and it speaks to the value of the work that you've done in the past as well doesn't it
0: yeah absolutely i always work i think it's one thing that people know that you know my character as a leader will influence how my team behaves So it was, you know, people know that I always want to put people on a pedestal when I work with me. I want to feel like they're only working with me. They're my first interest. And their success is ours. (laughs) So they have to be successful so we can brag about their success. Because otherwise (laughs) doing all this branding, you know, branding or you know, or branding, especially branding, takes a lot of time. People don't recognize the impact because it's invisible, you know, you know, credibility or power that you're building for a client. So sometimes people find it really hard to measure it. So it's important that, you know, we we set this right, you know, clients and desire to be successful. So we really want to make sure that clients don't only choose it, we also choose them. So we have to be, you know, keen on their success. Like, oh, maybe let's see what's what. No. Are you in on this? Are, you, are we going to work together, you know, to make this work? Yes. And if they have that, then we keep on going.
2: Would you say it's important for everyone to have a brand? regardless of what you're doing and what you operate or would you you say it's down to if you're trying to get a job or moving to something particular
0: it's a good question i think if you are just trying to make money having a brand is not relevant so let's say for example i i'm 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 a company in china and i'm making a copy of the iphone yes so i'm basically targeting people who cannot afford okay i'm taking the iphone right let's say something But something else, you know, I'm t- making, there's a, you know, the board, or I can't remember what it's called, but any product out there that is very expensive. And I'm a company in China and just want to make a version which is cheaper. So the idea is that, you know, you put it on Amazon, so people looking for that product, but can't afford it, can find the other product, which is cheaper. So in this case, you don't need to have a brand, you just need to buy a business because you're just focusing on selling as much as you can and making profit is about that. But if you really, you know, as an individual's, nowadays having a brand is important because also as individuals it gives you the power to negotiate your salary. Yes. You know, when people come and say like, okay, my name is so so forth and I have this amount of followers who already listen to me based on that subject. Come say, Wow, you come to me with you know not just with you, you come to me with an army of people that I will listen to working with my clients, you know. And that's a lot of people really underestimate the power of building a brand. So so for me as a marketer, I'm also an influencer to other marketers because I created models that explain how, you know, you know, you can, you know, the power of building a brand and what you do as a business is almost irrelevant. It's everything around it. That's really what creates the, the interest for your for your business. Let me explain that a bit, a bit bigger, so a bit be better. So beyond marketing is one of my model. I explained that when you buy an iPhone, it's not because of the phone. Yes, you know that if you want to make a call, any phone can give you can make a phone, you know, you can make a phone go over a phone. Yeah, if you want to just access internet, you can access internet with any phone. But why people who spend 1200 pounds for a phone, when you can get a cheaper one, is definitely not because of, you know, of the fact that you can make, you know, if they have basic functions, it's about everything else that this brand represents, you know, the status, you know, the lifestyle, da, 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 and so forth. That's really what you're selling, and that's extremely important. And sometimes you can attach that to your you know, your societal impact choices or societal issues that you want to focus on and so forth. And that's really, really key. So being good at what you do is expected. But everything that you do beyond that to create a tribe around your business is even more important. And that's, you know, that's what's key in developing a brand.
2: So what is the best way
0: to create a tribe? Best way to create a tribe is to think about Again, something comes back to your why, you know? And I talk about that, I did, a, I did a, you know, when the Black Lives Matter started last year, I did a talk around that, and it was about people, you know, marketers were, were utilizing the Black Lives Matter to for their own goods with no understanding of it. it, really annoyed me And when I was asked to talk about this. And the first thing is to think about what is, you know, what is the thing that you, you want to create that is beyond just the delivery of your service. So let's say, for example, uh, if I'm a company who cares about the environment, that, you know, you know, people don't, you know, by choosing to care about the environment, you would attract people who who, who are the same, who are the same about the, you know, they care about the environment. So let's say, you know, it's a bank like that will focus on, we are a bank and we also care about the environment. So we would choose to bank with them because of the choice that they make regarding to societal issues. It could be that or something else. But i like to take the example of a hairdresser. Yes? And I remember doing this. It's actually a tool that I have right now. So it's a hairdresser. So you're a hairdresser. And I showed this photo. So there's a hairdresser and there's people on the beach who parting. partying. <laughs> I was busy <with> pre-COVID. <laughs> So yeah, and I asked people like, "What's the you know correlation between this hairdresser sitting in a salon with this woman and then these people on the beach?" Because like I don't understand, what is this? I said, "Well, okay, she you know she she's good at what she does, yes, but around her brand, she's she's specifically one people attract people who want a certain lifestyle. That people understand that. Let's say, for example, I'm a uh, I have a son in Chelsea, I'm gonna try the same type of people in Chelsea with the Santa blow dry or whatever it is. But what she does around her brand, she starts creating events, like champion events, luxury events and so forth. So therefore she starts creating a tribe around the business. So people don't necessarily come anymore for just the hair. They come to be part of the of the of a tribe that she created. You see what I mean? So that's why I say like everything that you do around your brand is what really creates a tribe. So for example, for me, in my world of technology, I have a mastermind of tech, tech leaders we have, where we have conversation around what can we do or what are we doing to really just make a positive impact on technology, on, uh, on the world through technology. And that's the kind of thing that you need to think about. It's not just the delivery of me doing a brand, great branding, it's about how do I bring put together who can exchange ideas and do amazing things together and connect and so forth. That's what I've created as well for TechBrain's token, so, which is amazing, which I really rec- recommend people to do is think about what is beyond your services that you can do that will be put together. An example of a hairdresser, I think, something you can do, well, you can put some amazing luxury events on the beach, whatever. People obviously come and pay, maybe paying £300 for a haircut, but it's another way they get to access your amazing events where they meet all the fabulous people and so forth. And remember that people are we we all want we attract people who look like us. So the more we see people look like us, part of a tribe, we're more likely to join it.
2: So it's about adding that value mm-hmm. and adding extra layers on top of the the core yes. product that you give. So they're not just coming for that one thing; they're coming for everything else that you can also give as well.
0: Absolutely. So it can be part of your DNA from the start. Let's say, for example, if there's this brand called Tyler. Who, for example, this, they do uh, luxury, they do sportswear, fitness brand, fitness wear uh, based out of recycled material. Or it can be something that you realize, oh I never had it. So you can add it afterwards as another layer. So either within your DNA or even add it as another layer, if you never had it, which were people think, oh, it yeah, doesn't need to be good at what I do, that's what I need to get to do. Well, it's not enough. You need to think about what is beyond that and, and what is really what will put together. And therefore, against something, people want to feel like they're part of something. Yeah. Sound
2: good advice right there. Yeah. <laughs> you've talked about, obviously, you being a leader, as well as previous experiences that you've had of of bad leaders and bad management. So I'm curious to understand, what is your definition of leadership and what makes a good leader?
0: Mm, I love this question. You know, it's funny because... If it was someone, I did an interview and people say, you sound like a coach. I say, oh, it's true. I do sound like a coach. And I think, you know, the difference between a manager and a leader is that the manager will tell you what to do, where the leader will enable you. This is what I do. I love to enable people. And when people come to me and, you know, they come with preconceived ideas in terms of what they're capable of doing. And I will always challenge them, say, you think you can do this? We're going to try something that you've never done before. That's how we're going to do it here. So we have a bit of fear, anxiety, which is fine. It's good anxiety that <laughs> I like to them. But I think, you know, what the leaders do is, first of all, you know, as a lead by example, it's important. So, you know, I come with my good energy in the morning. Sometimes she's crazy. <laughs> so, for example, yesterday, you know, clearly, I, you know, all I'm meeting and I could see they just woke up, literally woke up five minutes before the call. <laughs> I was like, you just, just woke up five minutes before the call. And I just laughed. I was like. You know, I really don't care what you do. And I know people would end up doing that, especially when you work from home. And I don't mind because I trust them that they can do the work. And that, you know, these little things don't matter to me. You know, if they need extra sleep, then go and get it. <laughs> but for me is that, you know, the ability for me to be vulnerable in front of them and say, hey, I made a mistake. So they can be the same thing, you know, in front of me and say, I made a mistake. So tell me before you try to hide it. So for me, good leadership is not creating an environment where they fear me. But I welcome them to challenge me and be honest. Say, hey, Favela, I want to do this. Or what do you think about that? And always, you know, feel that they can, they take, allow them to take ownership of everything that they do. And that's very important. So, and you know, for me, it's really enable my team. You know, either indirectly, even people just look at me, and follow me, for what I do is that enable them to believe that they can do this. Because I always say, fear is a liar. Don't let it consume you, because it will stop you from being who you are. So great, you know, for me, a great leader enables people to see, you know, enable them to be a best, better version of themselves and feel fulfilled in a job that they really love and get excited to wake up five minutes before the call, but be there and, and always be present. So, you know, one thing that you know that, I, that you know you know that people love what they do and they enjoy working with you. And when you say like, why are you still here? <laughs> why are you still here? Why don't you go home? You know, go home. You go home. And that's you know one thing that I want want them to feel that like, you know I'm not their manager. I'm there to support them, enable them to be better at what they do. And that's what they, that's what they do. Yeah,
2: that's a brilliant definition of what leadership is: it leads by example, but just there to kind of push people to be the best that they can be for themselves.
0: Mm, absolutely, because we have clients. You know, you have to say like we have literally we have clients who want things to not for yesterday. Like, hey, Fabula, I in this for yesterday? Huh? <laughs> And then we have to deliver. And we we always do, which is great about I but again, something, you know, we you know, one thing that I realize as well, and I always teach them that if you give people if you give people a day to do something, they would take a day to do it. If you give people an hour to do something, they would take an hour to do something. So really time can be as modular as as it can as you wish it to be. So really important to understand, you know, you know, get certain things about my progression. That's what really frustrates me is but as well about France. France, when you think about promotion, oh, you have to wait a year. I'm like, well, you have to wait a year? Year to move to the next level. Like that's why I love it. But English, like if you're really good, six months, boom, next thing. Six months, boom, next thing. Six months, whatever it is. Where here is like you have to, you know, define this thing to control. That's a very hierarchical. A couple of pronounce it. <laughs> <But, laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the word. You know, which really frustrates me about the France. You know, you know, management systems. Like I want to progress fast, and I'm I'm fast mover. That's why. You know, people say, how do you write a book in the, in a couple of months? And because time is irrelevant, you know, if I want to give myself a year to do this, I can take a year. If I want to give myself two months to do it, I can do it in two months. It's up to you. And I always good to have a deadline in your mind in terms of what you want to do. But be create your own norms in terms of what time is required to do something instead of say, Oh, this is how much it can take to do this, you know, reinvent your own model to prove yourself and see what you can do but if you follow you know if you follow volumes you can never be a fully you know fully great innovator or, or game changer that's what's really important
2: so you sound like someone who has a lot of self-drive self-determination just be like no excuses that's the time i'm giving myself i'm going to stick to it
0: yeah absolutely you know absolutely my mind is my biggest asset so people say that whatever things that you do in the morning first thing i wake up and i thank god yeah so thank you i'm awake i might live another day i'm seeing february my family is alive my friends are alive i'm happy then i wake i know, i wake up being grateful for 10 things i would say like 10 things that you're grateful for you know take the time to be take you know to appreciate what you have is so important a lot of people don't take the time to do that from that you know my mindset is you know i'm i'm excited about the day i'm excited about what i want to do and then ideas start flowing to my mind, you know, so good things come boom, great, you know. So I've always, you know, used, you know, understood the, the power of the mindset and how you you can fuel it to achieve great things. And I do the same thing around people around me. So yes, yeah, so self-drive has always been that, but again, it comes back to my own personal why So I'm driven by my own family in terms of what I want to do and achieve for them as well which is the key, it's not a selfish act. I know that it becomes, you know, becomes actually even more success. It benefits just not me. It you know, benefits everything around me. That, you know, I appreciate the sacrifices my, my mother has done for me. So that's my, you know, one of my biggest motivators. So think about, you know, it's funny because, I you know, I love the book which obviously is going to not come out of my mind, Thinking and grow rich. You know, think like, you know, men are driven by a woman. <laughs> I think like, what about women then? Why can't we be driven by that? You know, sex is a high driver, which is true. Sex is a high driver. I think like, what? fucking <laughs> can women be driven though? You know, like it was either a mother or either a woman and so forth. I don't know if you read the book. Yeah, it's yes. about
2: love and sex and the energy between both of them. Exactly.
0: And it, it is, you know, it is a good one. And thinking about well, what about women's point of view Again, something, you know, you can find your own drivers. And for me, it's just about, you know, something from my mother's point of view in terms of what she's done for me. And and that's super, ext- extremely important.
2: What would you say the biggest lesson you've learned
0: from your mother's is? Um, it's funny. <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, what's so clever? Why I never listened to what she said when she was, when I was young. She said so many things. Mama's always been good with money. That's one thing, like, you know, even if she had not little, she always makes sure that there's always food on the table. She's always good big in terms of, even investment. She was investing, she's investing, you know, for all her life. You know, and things like that. Um, You know, see, Mama's always been the, you know, one of the things that Mama always told me, like, if you want a cookie, you're going to have to tell me. Because if you don't ask me, I can't give it to you. That's what it is. If you don't ask, you don't get so I was always taking the approach of asking if I wanted something. That's, that's what's called prospecting. <laughs> or hunting, as I say sometimes. So think about the biggest partners I have. I've, you know, I've literally, you know, go and act. you know, people, a lot of people go and expect them, things to come to them. Even though, you know, I have, you know, in my blood, you know, I have some royalness, royalty, and so forth. But yes, yeah, so the biggest lesson I've learned from my mom is that never let anyone feel pity for you. That's super important. And even when you have nothing, you know, not let people think less of you. So That's one thing. So I've always embrace. And I've probably, that's, that's probably where my desire around personal branding and elevating and, you know, projecting the right image to attract the right, you know, right people around you is important. So even if when I had a little, you know, I grew up in Paris, but I grew up in a ghetto. Up, oh my God, you're from Paris. You're from Paris. But I grew up in a ghetto, you know, where, you know, we, you know, you had, uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, bad influence around me. But I didn't let the external world know about that because I didn't want them to define me by my entourage, or not necessarily entourage, but by where I grew up to think that, you know, they could pity me. So that's one of the things that lesson people, my must taught me.
1: Wow. And how did you um,
2: get into tech? When I was getting into tech, well, like three eight and found, like, the black women in tech.
0: Yeah. That's a good question. I like that. So how did I get into tech? So yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, so when the agency started Free Colors, we started, we were fashion luxury and then people came to us. Oh, I wanted to work with us like, but we're not doing, that's not what we do. It's, like, it's okay. We want you to do it because you are highly creative. It's like, okay. So we ended up working in a lot of sectors and technology was one of them. So at some, at one point we had to choose. We are doing too many things and it becomes really hard to prospect so we decided to say okay we're going to choose technology and be more thorough about that and it was we're super excited about technology because we had people who are creating amazing things but not necessarily find a way to do it (laughs) and explain it in a simplest way like what is it do you do (laughs) it's like talk to me in english (laughs) which we like which we really like and then Nature, the nature of and the nature of my role requires me to be out there, you know, either you know, network or or just you know, speak or all sort of things. And I've always, you know, I've always been accustomed, you know, working in oil and gas by the fact that I was the only one in a room. Except when I was going to Nigeria, which was great. Yes, I so worried about my people. And, <laughs> and then when I when I've when I've worked in Texas, I said, oh my gosh, it's even just I'm either just the only woman in the room. Oh, I'm the only black woman in the room. I said, I cannot believe there are no other great black women working in technology. I refuse the, the just the idea of not seeing other black women for me was not possible. And um I kept the idea in my mind, so like, I kept on going. Like, Okay, great. It's good for me to stand out, be the only one because you know me, I wear red suits, come into room, high still. You know I'm here. I'm you're gonna remember me. <laughs> You're gonna know. You're gonna know, you're gonna know yeah He <laughs> said, you know, i make the approach, they're like, who's this girl coming coming to our circle? And um, and then I I was invited, mike one of my kids said, Come for this event, we're doing this private lunch. And uh she comes. It was 150 pounds. Like, oh, well, I'll pay 150 pounds for lunch. But yeah. <laughs> so let me see what's on the menu so i say, okay it's champagne okay it's champagne it's free course it's like okay i come i said this guy into here talks hear talk his name is Rush shows, okay so i was like and i heard this guy talk Rush Show. I was always like, oh, quite nice he was very you know talk about the importance of technology and how what he's trying to create and how much we you know we're gonna have a shortage of talent and technology and what he was doing so we're connected so i really like you so first i have to be honest <laughs> i pushing him as a prospect obviously it's great he has all my prospecting into <laughs> Inside so this network, we realize this guy's not gonna let me in. Okay, fine. So I said, "I'm going to go to the events and network by myself because obviously TLA Tech London Advocates is a big group. So you have loads of verticals and geographical and all sorts of things. I start going to all the events, whatever it is in creatives, whatever it is in fintech. I'm still the only one in this room. What is going on here? I said, "Russ, what's, Why is there? Am I the only one? To say, "I know. I know. I'm trying to fix this. I said, "Well, I'm going to fix this," and we sat down in a conversation. And um, it was so funny because I think he probably underestimated me, which I like. We want this make me say, so, "You know, when you do your lunch event, if you have 40 people, that'd be great." And then let me know when it's today date I come up. In my head, think, like 40 people, <laughs> what is he <it> talking about? <laughs> I don't have more than that. And then, um, and then I started talking to Ram. He's like, "I'm going. I'm launching this event." And this is what I'm doing. And then this, then this company, uh, Family House, said, I want to, we want to sponsor you and we'll do this, which is great. And um, and I said, the rest of the event is on this date. It's happening at this venue, Morgate, at Abbott, Nut & Latham, big family house, champion reception. And I had the speaker, the keynote speaker I had for this event was the only black woman on the rich list, Valerie Morin fintech company the only black woman on which this was her and she grew a business by literally embracing diversity and she did so well i think she based on the business now the still part of the business but gosh even richer and we had about 250 people for this event and it's like whoa okay yes now you know this room into this and people excited you know people say oh i'm so glad you did this so good to actually find each other duh, 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 and so forth and I realized, oh my gosh, I had something here. And uh, and the first year, we literally the first year, we just ran on social media. We just had a mailing list because obviously it was run on the back of the agency. So it's a pro bono, you know, it's a non-profit. Now it's set up as a non-profit organization, so it's separated from Free as Well, it was very much of a let's see what this community comes together and realizes the list is growing, 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 growing. And then you know we you know then Dutch Bank you know you know worked with us. Deloitte work with us. Department of Education Those well get involved with us. Unilever work with working with us. They realized, wow, there's a lot of people who actually want to find this amazing, talented black woman. They are there. But most importantly, people say they can't find them. People say to me, I can't find speakers. Black female speakers are like, you're lying. Because I had every single month, I never had a shortage of black women to speak at my event. And on different subjects, psychology, communication, finance, investment, and so forth. We're all there, and it was just a place where, whether you are in tech or not in tech, you could, you know, you can be, you know, you can be part of it, which is amazing. And I think that's what women were looking for. So, and we, when COVID, ha- COVID happened, we had to move online, which was actually a good thing because less, <laughs> less, less logistics. Just need, just need Zoom and. Um, And the back of that, we were able to grow our network now nationally, but also internationally. So we are now black women in in America, black women as well in Africa, founded us, founded us, which is amazing. So now it's actually become a global network where women come from all around the place and now we have a website, which is great. So, you know, we started telling stories of black, black women as well on the page. And you know so many things that they've done, and we're doing events on a monthly basis on soft skills, not hard skills, but soft skills, which is growing. So now you know, I have to set up as a business. It can't be as a nonprofit organization. It can't be just one thing, because we want to grow. And one of my big missions this year is to, is to create a book because I was looking at where the stories of Black British women who have done some things around technology. So we're writing a book about that that would tell the stories of 51 women who have had an impact in technology. And the idea behind that is to get it distributed across educational institutions in the UK. So every library, for like when kids get back, um, can read this. And I think it's important to have those stories that inspire you to think that, wow, she can do it, so can I? So That's where you go. That's
2: what a powerful story. All from... 150 pound lunch <laughs> and <laughs> your desire to actually see change within a space because someone so often i'm, I'm sure the people before you who've kind of seen that there was, a, there was a problem there but you're like actually let's let's do something to to change that and it's grown like i know how black women in has got bigger bigger over the years and people talk around the the network of meeting like minded people and just bonding, sharing stories. But actually, working together, there's been abuses come out of it as well, so that's really amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny because there was a lot of naysayers, that's people who have to, who have to remember, a lot of people will t- try to turn you, to try to re- refrain you from launching an idea, say, oh, don't do it, it's not necessary, we don't need this, it's just gonna alienate people. Nah, nah, nah. I'm like, why? I'm sorry, but I'm pro-black woman, what's the problem? I'm going to do this and it's not about that and, and there's a lot of allies as well say oh what well, is so important because at least you know you know I always think that you know the person who is most underrated is always a black woman and I know so I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a black woman you know and it's important that we highlight the way that quite often they don't even realize their power I think quite often they don't realize how influential they are and this is why I want to highlight them so they can really regain that value enable them to see that wow what you do is amazing and they don't often literally I remember going with one of them say we were talking at uh, was a black girls talk we did in November I say oh I was part of you know so introduce to tell us who you are and I say oh I was part of a dot com <laughs> and she did that so casually I say, you are part of a dot com but she didn't realize how important her implication in the dot com was and she just think oh I was part of a dot com and that and she said so casually it's like you don't realize what you've done or what's something what you're part of a lot of people and that's thing you know that's what branding and i keep you know as a branding person say, understand the power of the brands a lot of people are great out there but they don't know how to sell themselves you know you don't have to be the best, best in the room you have to be one who makes the most noise and people know me i'm always at least once a week on LinkedIn, always talking or bragging or whatever way, because i know the silence <laughs> watcher at some point, people say, hey, Flavilla, I've seen all the great what you've been doing and I'm going to reach out to you. That's me putting a seed in your mind on a regular basis, even if you don't engage with it. You've seen it. It's in your mind. And by the time you decide to engage and think about, oh, I'm looking for a better person. The first person that comes to your mind, it's me. Yes? Even if you don't need me now. And that's what happened. People come to me, oh, five years, 10 years. Then I say, oh, Flavilla, i see what you did. Now I'm ready to work with you. But if I didn't spend continuously that presence in terms of what I'm doing then when it was time for them to take action, they would have to come to me. You know, People say, how do you get to speak among you know top speakers of CEOs of big brands? I'm, I'm... <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. You know, I know my worth and I'm really good as well at portraying it as well.
2: What's it um, like growing up as a black person in France?
0: Oh, gosh. <sighs> I think when you grow up as a black person in france you have limitation so again i I didn't mention this but what before coming here in in london i really thought that could not only be the assistant of someone else the assistant of a manager because i never saw people looking like me in power or responsible in director roles or senior level roles and if you don't see people look like you, so therefore your expectation will be lowered. And that's why in London was such a pivoting moment in my life in terms of, wow. And I, I removed any barriers above my head thinking, well, if I want to do this, I'm just going to do it. Nobody's going to stop me. If I want to write a book, I'm going to write it. If I want to do this, I'm going to do whatever I want and make it happen. And that's really what it is to be, you know, they talk about equality, the design so forth, but you can really sense that, you know, even though there is some progress now compared to when I, when I left now years ago, but yeah, so you know there was a lack of representation of black people in successful world. and the, the less you see this, and also you have to see in terms of where Paris has been built, poor neighborhoods would be have be put in the outskirts of Paris where you see here in London you have council flats all over all over the city, yes? So you can have find cousins in Chelsea, you might find council taxes in Brixton, you might have a council flats or council flats sorry, in um in all fancy places, <laughs> which always makes me nice, like, this person pay this, this person pay this amount of money they we live just across the road. But but in Paris is the same thing. So really, we couldn't divide in the structure of the build, the, the build of Paris. So where if you are Paris, like in Paris, they're to have crazy division, and if you, if you were say, uh, you know, if you if you live in the suburb of Paris, you know, you are considered as second class. I in my in we now you know we more in the center of Paris now, but before we used to live in the outskirts of Paris. So therefore, you know, you know, people say you come from the 92 or 93 or whatever, you know, you know, uh, region of Paris, you will know that you came from, people perceive it as lower poorest areas. That's how people will see it. So when you put your CV or you put where you come from, they think, mm, okay, that must not be good. So it was a good way to filter, you know, people based on their names. So if your name is Mamadou or Mohammed, you know, and they did that test where put exactly the same CV. One is called Carol, another one one's called Mohammed. Mohammed didn't even get the interview. Carol did get the interview, but she got exactly the same role. It got the same ex- experience. So yeah, so par- being being black in Paris wasn't um, wasn't you know, wasn't as great as being in London. Even though you know there's still things to be done, but yeah, big difference. Oh,
2: that's interesting. Um... What you just said right now i can relate to that as well i remember doing exactly the same thing in london mm. when i was trying to find jobs way back and i just applied applied applied, and i couldn't and i changed my name same cv and i got interviews
0: mm.
2: and that was years ago but yeah it's different country but a lot of similarities and Absolutely. a lot of ways when it comes to yes
0: and that's why it's important to break those you know you know the the Tokenization of Black people in terms of, you know, as a as a marketer, you know, I, you know, even me, I influence my clients in terms of how do you represent, in terms of what visual do you use for your brand, because you know this the perception that we we'll cultivate around, you know, the advertising marketing industry has a big impact in terms of how we keep putting people into boxes. So it's important that we see more representation of successful Black people, not just the idea of we, you know, if you Black, you only this. You are, you are know, a benefit seeker or you, you know, you just, you know, this, or you end up in a gang, which is not true. You're really people from all sorts of colors in gangs, you know? So that's why it's so important to raise the presentation in a positive manner. So really can change the outcome for a lot of people. And, 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 you know, you know, focusing on, on black women was important for me, but also I wanted to not be exclusive because I wanted to bring allies. So they understand how it feels when you're in a room where you are the minority. And I love when it comes, like, how does it feel to be the <laughs> minority in the room? <laughs> and, you know, it's so, like, you can feel, you can put yourself in their nice shoes and understand what you can do out there to, to use your, your power of influence to change your game, not only for you, but for other people as well. You know, it's important, those things to happen every day. And we do, we do really underestimate, you know, the, as, you know, something of the subject, you know, us the assumption that we make just based on our, our conscious mind. And I love psychology because when it's in psychology, you can apply in marketing. And that's what it is that we do. It's like we we, have, we feel safe. A lot of people don't achieve, you know, success or happiness because of playing the safe card all the time. The same thing when we choose a brand, we choose a brand that we recognize. I love this example when I went to Mexico with my brother and we come out, we arrived in Cancun. You can see this long queue people. you thinking, what's going on? Think, oh my gosh, maybe they're serving margarita. <laughs> maybe we are serving margarita now. This is the best place ever. And no, when we look at the top of the queue, we see all these Americans will travel over way to another country to have a Starbucks coffee.
2: <laughs> That's the power oh of the brand.
0: That is the power of the brand. That's the power of the brand. Again, safe. Human nature is to want to be safe. When we don't know where well, I'm the opposite like oh I've never tried this I'm going to try something I've never seen on the thing that's I'm going to try frogs you know camel all sort of weird food okay I haven't tried insects but yeah so really just showcase in terms of why is it so important to build a brand we feel safe behind brand because we don't like to make you know mistakes and take risk by nature
2: I think you're a, a testament to what happens when you don't play it safe and you keep an Reinventing yourself, keep on trying new things and just keep on pushing. And once you've got that personal drive and that why to keep you going, yeah. you can create a life you want while making an impact on the lives of other people around you mm. and drive the chain forward because that's exactly what you've done throughout your career in so many different ways.
0: Yes. But you know what? One thing that people get wrong is I think that you have to make a choice. And I think the more you embrace those two, the more quicker, the quicker you're going to achieve success. And if I knew that sooner, even though, you know, I've done some part of it, but now for me, it's so important to embrace the two. And I really talk to brain, to brands now that's like, don't just be good at what you do. Think about what you can do beyond, because that's what's going to get the word out. Especially if you have a low level of differentiation, think about really what is above that you can do. That's why people want to speak with you. That's why people want to get your attention. That's why people want to, you know, interview you. That's why people want to get you on podcast. It's because of that. If you have, if you haven't got a practice significantly different, such as Tesla, or whatever it is, you have to go even beyond in terms of your delivery and your, your impact on, you know, for the work that you do. And if you, people implement that from the start, win much faster.
2: What would you say success is for
0: you? Success for me is freedom. I think it's freedom to fact that, you know, that I think people think success is money. I don't think it's money. Because I'm, I'm surrounded by millionaires who have everything and they realize they have nothing else than money. And they realize that freedom is freedom to be able to, you know, to be able to spend time with your family. Freedom is freedom. For me, success is, is that time that you are available where you can choose to lay in bed which, and do things that you really like. Because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have time, What's the point? So really, that's freedom of you know of making choices that makes you happy. That's really what success is about. Because money is not the end. Money is, is the is the enabler against something. I'm not saying that money is not important. It's definitely important. <laughs> but it's not all, because you can have all the money in the world. If people say, I make a million pounds, but you have 100,000 pounds of expense every month, then you're definitely not that kind of successful millionaire that people are talking about. I think it's really that's that freedom that you get that, you know, you create, create assets that, that um, keep building themselves. You know, you you, know, you create something that does, you know, is of impact as well. So freedom is you know, so many, free, success is so many things, but one of them is freedom. But it's also impact into knowing that you do something that will enable people to do something else with it. We all underestimate our power, big or small. Yes, we all impact one another. I love these exercises. I remember doing this exercise, my probably one of my last talk I did uh, in front of an audience. And I asked people, to so close your eyes and think about someone that you really, really like that really influential in your life. And you can see as I'm looking at people their eyes closed and they start smiling. And I asked them the same question again. So think about someone that really, really is happy to have you in their life and think about them right now and see like how much they love having you in their life. And you can see them smiling. So now I want you to think, remove yourself from their life. And think about how their life would have turned out so that can be you being a mother or you being a sister or you being a friend and you can see how they just go like and say like do you think you have an impact do you make an impact and I say yes we do yes you do and people always think about it, i have to be the nelson mandela i have to be the singer i have to be oprah Winfrey." I'm not talking about like impact impact doesn't have to be touching millions of people you know the thing that we do every day being a good parent being a good brother being a good sister is all impactful in terms of how you know what we do for each, each other so let's not neglect that
2: what a perfect way to end what's been a brilliant interview there's so many things that we could go into around like neuroscience <laughs> all that kind of stuff but that's a whole different conversation <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> another time you can do it again <laughs>
2: What's the best place we can find
0: you well <laughs> where can you find me everywhere except you know you're not gonna find me on tiktok that's not me but you can find me on why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> that is not me i'm not a, i love dancing but dancing to sell my services that is definitely not me <laughs> dancing pointing at words that i'm looking people that oh gosh what have you done tiktok but yes, yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn for sure. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find me on YouTube. You know, I have lots of great content that I put out there, free workshop. You know, you can get a test of my, e- of my book 10, with the first 10 chapters, 10 strategies for my 99 strategy book. So yes, but you know, Google, my name is to be fun. There's only one flavilla. I mean, like, I'm the most famous flavilla, I should say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to go with, there's only one Flavela. There's only one Flavela. Now, but on the real though, it's um, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on. And like I said, if you tap into Flavella's content online on LinkedIn, on her website, on YouTube, there's so much value that she gives out for free around branding, around marketing. And she is brilliant at what she does. Bundle of energy. Like this is early morning. Yeah. What is vibe this? Just having this conversation. And really, the impact you've made with um, Black Women in Tech has been absolutely amazing. There have been so many people that I know that have been touched, impacted by that. And the growth, the fact that now you're in so many different countries as well, mm. um, is really, really good to hear. So it's great to see change happening and people moving forward and people taking ownership and rather than waiting for things to be created. You're like, no, we're going to build this and create this and build it for ourselves. So it's really, really good to see you, to see you doing that. and You are spearheading it.
0: Thank you so much. My pleasure. Wait for the next thing. Wait for the next thing.
2: <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to be dope. So <laughs> This is Everyday Leadership. See you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Leadership. You can check out the show notes on www.mindsetshift.co.uk forward slash podcast where you can find out more about my guests and how you can contact them. You can listen to old episodes or if you have a question about this episode or any other episodes, you can just press a button and ask me that question and I'll answer it on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, share this podcast with someone else. We'll see you next time on Everyday Leadership.